right, it's your resident outlaw, the Twitter thief himself. Aaron Nagler here at Nagler's Never Right for PackersNews.com. Recording this on Wednesday afternoon where I have been placed on suspension by Twitter. This is outrageous, I tell you. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, how are you? How is everyone? Um, I had a couple takedown notices on my Twitter account, and then today the account was suspended simply for pl- putting up NFL uh, video, which I've done for 10 years, roughly. So, I don't know. We'll get to the bottom of it eventually. But in the meantime, I can connect with you here on Nagler's Never Right podcast here at PackersNews.com. The Packers coming off a uh, big-time victory over the Seattle Seahawks, 17-9. to Offense obviously comes out a little bit uh, unsettled, a little less than uh, firing in all cylinders, but I think that was to be expected. You look around the NFL, traditionally defenses start faster than offenses anyway. Uh, you throw in the fact that the, uh, the Seahawks have one of the, if not the best defense in the league, it stands to reason, yeah, the Packers are going to struggle to move the ball. I thought Aaron Rodgers and company would be able to work you know, a little bit more uh, of an advantage at the line of scrimmage in the friendly confines of Lambeau. But, you know, they, I think they did that a little bit better in the second half. They got around to uh, using motion out of the backfield to kind of open the middle up for a couple things. But, you know, early on, it looked a lot like uh, the offense early on last year where a lot of isolation routes, a lot of guys covered downfield, and Rodgers with nowhere really to go with the ball and having to hold it. And that brings me to the offensive line. I know people have been kind of, not ripping the offensive line, but talking about the pressure and the four sacks in the first half and you know how the, the, the team looked offensively when it came to protection. I really didn't kill the offensive line for a lot of that. I thought a lot, most of that had to do with play design and playing into the Seahawks' hands, really. A lot of longer developing routes, and, uh, you know, the, the Seahawks rarely blitz. So they simply rushed four and tried to collapse the pocket and give Rodgers, you know, few, if any, escape valve-type lanes. I thought they did a really good job of that. Their, their, uh, the Seahawks linemen, their uh, discipline, their rush lane discipline was very good. And, uh, you know, they, the Packers didn't, did, couldn't win downfield. And so in the second half, I thought McCarthy got to a lot more of the spread stuff and the short passing game, which is how I figured they would come out firing in the first quarter. But obviously, eventually, the, the offense got on track, helped greatly by the free play touchdown to Jordy Nelson, which was a masterful stroke. Um, but yeah, I thought the offense as a whole, it wasn't surprising to see them struggling against a, a fantastic defense, even in the confines of Lambeau Field. Um, now, you, you, know, you push it forward, you go to week two, and Atlanta, obviously Atlanta is predicated upon the same system. Uh, I tend to think um, they, especially in the NFC Championship game, they tend to blitz a little more. Uh, they found a way to use slot pressure in that NFC Championship game that the Packers are really going to have to work on countering. Uh, Rodgers was caught a couple of times. He was sacked twice, but he was hit eight more times past that in that game. And the Packers are really going to have to be on their game when it comes to identifying where that blitz is coming from. Because it's something that they got the Packers with a couple, like three or four different times. And it, was never, it, was, it wasn't always the same guy, and it wasn't always on the same side. 
but a few times on Rodgers' blind side, he got there was one in particular. If you go back and you watch the NFC Championship game, you see Rodgers get rocked uh, from from behind. You know, uh, uh, it looks like he's not expecting it at all, and that rarely happens. Uh, if there is a free rusher, it tends to be on plays where Rodgers knows he's got to get it, the ball out of his hands and does so. Um, but on this particular play, uh, he was just absolutely decimated. Like I said, that rarely happens. So that's something that the Packers are going to have to look at. And again, I think you got to look at designed rollouts, move the pocket, and quick hitting passing game. And I think Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery is going to be another, going to have another big day insofar as his usage. Now, you look at his numbers, and no, he didn't have a huge game against Seattle. But his ability with the football and his ability out wide on the perimeter really dictates things. Uh, he changes what the the defense wants and has to do to try and counter what the Packers are doing on offense. So he's affecting the game even when he's not you know, handling the football. And that's something I think a lot of people kind of forget when they look at the numbers or they look at the box score or even as they're watching the game. You know, he's, get, he's hitting up two, three-yard carries and People think, you know, oh, he's not doing anything or he's not doing much. On the contrary, especially early, those are body blows for a defense. And they're wearing, you know, they get to wear them down. And I think you saw that kind of come to fruition in the second half when things started opening opening up a little bit. You know, that defense, it's, it's going to wear down the more you pound the football. Um, you know, and then as far as the, uh, well, I did want to briefly touch on, look at the wide receivers and look at, the incident early in the game with Jeremy Lane. Now look, Lane has a long history of boneheadedness on the field and downright antagonism. And uh, so do the Seahawks. Don't don't you don't get it twisted. They have a reputation. They since Pete Carroll has been their coach, they far and away lead the league in personal foul penalties, and that's just a fact. Um, so one would you know rightfully question whether they are being taught these things, whether they are being coached in, in a certain way. Um, but when it comes to Jeremy Lane, I definitely think, I tend to think that the Packers, Mike McCarthy, somebody, probably McCarthy because he would be the one to do so, spoke to the officials beforehand and said, look out for Lane uh, because he has a long history of kind of cheap shotting both Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. One really cheap shot in particular in last year's matchup in Lambeau at the end of the first half when Lane um, basically tried to blow up Randall Cobb on the final play of the half when the Packers were simply kneeling it out and trying to get into the locker room at halftime. Um, but there are plenty of other instances as well. So I do think his history, particularly his history with the Packers, may have cost him here. Now, I've seen a lot of back and forth and a lot of argument about you know, well, he was he was thrown out for throwing a punch. Well, there was no punch, and that is strictly true. There wasn't a punch, but he did use his forearm to you know pound Devonte Adams' head and throat area into the ground. Now, is that a punch? No, but I understand why the ref threw him out. Um, would I have done it? Probably not, uh, especially when you look at the fact that Devonte Adams dragged him down to the ground in the first place by his face mask. Um, but I do understand why that call got made. And Pete Carroll can get hot and bothered about it all he wants. But, you know, if you look at the video of Lane slamming his arm into Devontae's head lying on the ground there, 
yeah, if you're you're a ref, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna throw a flag, and you it's at your discretion whether to throw him out or not. So it's funny too because I know Pete Carroll said, well, that took us out of what we wanted to do, and we had to go to something new. And I, hell, I think the rookie Griffin probably played better than Lane would have. I think the Packers got the short end of that stick because uh, Lane is not very good, and the Packers have been able to take advantage of him throughout the years. So if anything, Devontae Adams may have done them a favor. Um, and then switching it over and looking at the defensive side of the ball, obviously the headliner is Mike Daniels, absolutely took control of the game, blew up any and all comers along the Seattle offensive line. It is funny, on the play where he causes the he causes the um, fumble on Russell Wilson, if you go back and watch that play, Kyler Fackrell is being double teamed on that play. And Mike Daniels has a one-on-one. You gotta think they're gonna be kind of re, kind of redoing, re-looking at the their blocking combinations there in Seattle. Because why on earth any sane offensive line, offensive line coach, any player is doubling Kyler Fackrell and leaving Mike Daniels one-on-one against Luke Jokel or whoever? Whatever whatever system you're using, whatever check you're using at the line of script, whatever that is, yeah, you got to throw that out. Throw that one right out. Because holy cow, was that bad. Um, but yeah, Mike Daniels, obviously, he mon- monster game. Uh, can't say enough about him. Obviously, lots of people have been saying stuff about him all this week, and for good reason. Uh, he deserves all the accolades. Um, Nick Perry as well, monster game, fam- fantastic game. Uh, but I think Kenny Clark is the guy who's probably not getting as much recognition as he probably should. Uh, he played extremely well. And I know our Eric Bronchuk and Pete Doherty uh, wrote up his play uh, for their uh, you know, their analysis post a couple days ago. Or I think it was Tuesday, yesterday. And I highly encourage you to check that out because it, it does a good job of kind of laying out what the kinds of things Clark did that maybe went unnoticed but uh, played a big part in their, the Packers' ability to control the line of scrimmage, and he's going to have to do it again uh, next week. I, th- I I think, you know, he's matched up well with Mack in the past, uh, Alex Mack, the center for Atlanta. Um, but he's going to have to play uh, even better for them to have a hope of slowing down uh, the Falcons' passing and rushing attacks. I mean, if there's no, it's no mystery. If, if you can get you know, a push in the pocket, you don't even need instant pressure, but if you can get a, pu- a good push in the pocket, push of the pocket up the middle, that's the quarterback's worst nightmare. It's the thing that makes mo- more quarterbacks unsettled and kind of out of sync than anything else. Um, edge pressure, you can always mitigate edge pressure as a, as a quarterback. You can step up, you can hit your check down, etc. When you get pressure, quick pressure in a collapsing pocket, that's when you know, things kind of go south for offenses. And that is, to me, more than anything else, is going to be a big key for the Packers to try to slow down Atlanta because I don't think you're ever going to fully stop Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Muhammad um, Sanu, those two wonderful, amazing uh, running backs, etc. That's just not going to happen. So to slow them down, you're going to have to try and going to have to try and control that middle, control that the middle of the field. Um, and I think you know they'll have a good shot at doing that uh, between Daniels, Clark, and. Uh, you know, Quentin Dial, who you got to think is probably going to be have a shot um, to, to get in there along with um, Kyle Lowry. 
And speaking of dial, it was did want to touch on the uh, roster moves. It's funny because I never know like how much kind of to focus on the roster moves because obviously when you're covering the team day by day, it's our job to talk about them and to post them and to uh, you know make sure they're in the public record, so to speak. But I do wonder because like you know the disproportionate attention that is paid to some of these moves is always kind of funny to me. You know the releasing of Ladarius Gunter and uh, Ricky Jean Francois. Well, you know, curious. The the Jean Francois thing, I think, is curious. Um, you know, the, it's just a kind of a huh moment. But you know, on Twitter, uh, where I no longer reside, thanks to uh, my suspension currently. Um, you know, they, they it just gets blown up, and it's this huge thing, and and, and everyone wants to analyze it and overanalyze it. And, and number one, you know, the answers are coming. You know, everyone's always well, this has got to be for this, and it's got to be for that. Well, you know what? If you just wait like a half hour maybe even a few hours, then, uh, you know, the answer will come. But uh, yeah, it's just funny how kind of obsessive uh, people are over every every move. And I understand why. Like I said, I totally, under- I totally get it. It's what helps pay my bills. So I thank you for your obsessiveness. Um, but in, in the grand pantheon of why the Packers will or won't win the Super Bowl, you know, this roster kind of shuffling that occurred overnight is probably pretty far down the list. Uh, but I do think Quentin Dial can help them. Uh, I do think he, he's an upgrade over Ricky Jean Francois if he plays to his tape so far in the NFL. Um, and I do think he's an upgrade over pretty much everybody they've had there, including Christian Ringo, who fans really seem to want back for some reason. <laughs> um, but I think the, the big test, the huge test, obviously, in in Atlanta, is going to be is going to be um, you know the matchup with Julio Jones and the secondary, and obviously there's tons of weapons, but um, you know Demarius Randall, Devon House, who has actually had a decent uh, outing against Julio in in his career, um, Quentin Rollins, Kevin King, all these guys, and I think we may see a little more Kevin King than we saw. Uh, last week. We'll see. Sorry, guys. I'm just answering. Oh, I'm always live. Always live. Always answering stuff. Um, yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more Kevin King this week than we saw last week. If only because I think the Falcons like to spread things out a little bit more. Maybe see them go a little more up-tempo. I, can, I would think we'd see Dom Capers want to get a few more defensive backs on the field. Plus, he's just got the athleticism that you like against... Um, I, anybody on the Falcons, really, but especially Julio Jones. Now, I don't expect King to be checking Jones, but you could see a scenario where maybe they're in dime and King is out there and the Falcons have some kind of motion to, you know, get him to try and try and get take advantage of the rookie. You, you never know. But we, uh, we will see. It, it, I think it's going to be a really good matchup. The one thing I keep coming back to, and you look at the Chicago game, the Falcons game against the Bears, you know, the offense de- did look out of sync. There's no question about that. Now, the question is, how much of that was it's week one? And how much of that is the new offensive coordinator? Because Kyle Shanahan was one of the best play callers in the NFL last year. There's zero doubt about that. Um, and you do wonder about how losing him may affect their flow on offense. And I think they've still got tons of talent there, obviously. But uh, it's a delicate thing. It's a very delicate thing when you when you lose your play caller, 
and you come into a year with you know the same system essentially, but uh, you know lots of uh, lots of different ways of calling the game. So it'll be interesting to see how Dom Capers matches up there. Um, and one other thing I did want to I wanted to I wanted to I wanted to touch on real quickly um, was the the stuff that uh, that we're doing here at PackersNews.com. I hope everyone's taking advantage of everything that's on offer because I I, I, I know it's funny I, when I when I meet people in, when I'm in Green Bay I, I meet a lot of I met a, a really lovely gentleman from Austin Texas while, while I was outside Lambeau th- this weekend uh, I met another guy who is up from Tennessee and they all mention you know everybody mentions one thing well I, I listen to your podcast or I, I find you on you know I I watch your Facebook lives. You know, and obviously that's, I love that. It's great. I love that you guys are connecting, but I hope everyone's, uh, you know, taking advantage of everything that we do, uh, whether it's, you know, the live chats during the day with Pete and Ryan, whether it's, uh, you know, Michael Cohen and Tom Silverstein and their, uh, their pot, their Packers podcast, uh, whether it's, you know, the Leroy Butler and Tom video series that they do every week, which is just fantastic. Uh, and then obviously all our coverage at PackersNews.com. I just hope that everyone, you know, ex- fully explores all the possibilities because there's tons of stuff. We've got so much content for you guys. I just I really hope you're I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're taking advantage of it. And um, I can't thank you enough for listening to the podcast every week. It really means a lot. Uh, and with that said, I'm going to go back to Twitter jail, <laughs> and I'll uh, hopefully be uh, back on Twitter soon. And hopefully I'll be back next week. So you can listen to my ramblings here on Nagler's Never Right. I fight, I fight,